Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast is brought to you by Becker Furniture World, Franzen Bank and Trust, Menards, and Carrier. Hello again. It's time to talk preps on the Star Tribune's podcast, Talking Preps. I'm Jim Paulson with David Levake. Um, the endless stories, the endless issues of when we're going to play, when, um, how we're going to play, how the how the high school season is going to progress in this era of COVID takes center stage again after Governor Waltz um, did a little bit of uh, mitigating of the pause yesterday. Uh, that would be um, uh, on Wednesday the 16th. And uh, David, um, what will you, your take on the fact that it sounds like at this point, and we have to, to uh, um, couch everything we say nothing is definite in this era but it sounds like we're at least going to be getting back into the realm of teams practicing and uh, on january 4th um your thoughts on that well i just heard from a number of people who thought all along that practices were should never have been put on pause uh you know they they, they sort of grudgingly accepted the idea of of maybe scaling back the games or not having games given that Football in particular was really stumbling to the finish line in terms of teams being able to participate. But, but most of the people I heard from with winter sports, which is predominantly hockey, they said, look, we've done these uh, fall leagues, uh, the bridge seasons, the elite league. Uh, the girls had the, was it the uh, XPL? And they didn't have the, the stumbles and the problems that football was experiencing. So they felt all along practices should have never been put on pause. They also felt that practices then should have come back uh, first chance possible, which I guess would be Monday, December 21st. So the fact that we are now going to January 4th, uh, in, in accordance with people I talked to, hey, it's, it's been more than it's, it's more than about time to at least get to back to practicing. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of the same sort of thing. There's a number of coaches that have believed that they probably should have been at least practicing the entire time and by um, separating everybody and, and putting everything on pause, they just opened the door possibly for kids to um, do their own thing uh, because, you know, you're not in school, you're not practicing, you, know, you do get stir crazy. And there is a chance that kids are going to go and, and, you know, break protocol and do what they can to, uh, to at least be social and continue some normalcy in their lives. And uh, I know uh, I heard that, uh, from a couple of coaches yesterday that said it would have been better to at least keep control of the situation. If you've got kids who are committed to practice, committing to their team, that that's something they can actually um, will put those uh, urges to go out and do your own thing you know, uh, by the, on the wayside there. So it, I think that the, a lot of people believe the same way and they, uh, they may have done this a little bit, well, I guess too cautiously, but at least I also heard that uh, coaches are happy to actually have a date that now we know where we're going to be. Now we have something in mind to tell the kids. Um, Liz Carpentier, the uh, uh, girls basketball coach at uh, Farmington had said that the thing that was one of the most bothersome was not having any real answers and not knowing what to tell parents and kids of when things are going to start, when you can uh, plan and, uh, and now at least having the date of January 4th to get back and practice, that, that 
you know, solidifies things a little bit and, and gives you a baseline to work from. But it's not going to take very long. In fact, it probably took about three seconds when people heard, okay, our practices start up on the January the 4th. All right, great. Wonder games. And that's, yep. so now we're in a new round of wait and see and, uh, and what that looks like. And, and we're not even completely solidified on what practices will look like January 4th. I was sitting in on Thursday morning here as we're recording this. Um, I sat in on the, the Minnesota State High School League's lead network meeting, which was, I think, set a record today. There was more than 400 participants in the call, and they were all wanting to know if the league had any more insight into the, what, what, what we could expect uh, with with January fourth and practices, but also with with what games might look like and when. Uh, one of the things that came up was you know pools are closed right now uh, on this executive order, and so if you're a a, a, a boys swimmer because girls season is in the fall, the boys are winter. If you're a boys swimmer, parent, coach, you want to know you know <laughs> what is, what does practice look like if if we can't get in the pool? And so uh, later this afternoon, again this is Thursday. Later Thursday afternoon, uh, representatives from the Minnesota State High School League will be on a call with the Minnesota Department of Health trying to raise some of these questions and get some additional guidance. Now, whether the Department of Health will have answers right away on Thursday or whether they'll you know, maybe take a couple of days to think about it and early next week have something to give the high school league who can in turn pass it on to their coaches and, and athletes, we'll see. But, but those are the conversations that are happening right now. Dave, you've been much more um, involved with dealing with the high school league uh, on a lot of these meetings, a lot of these uh, executive meetings and, and uh, um, board of directors meetings and things like that. Um, when they say the high school league is going to have a meeting with the board of health and the board of education and whomever else they're meeting with, does the high school league just take instructions or do they pass along things they're hearing and what concerns they have um, and uh, as the uh, government, the state government, um, receptive to the things they have to say, or is it basically once the governor has and the Board of Health has made these determinations that there really isn't any sort of mitigating the high school league can do to that? They're, they're kind of locked in to what the restrictions are. Well, remember, though, in the fall, the high school league did things that the Department of Health didn't exactly love. Um, if you have to see if you can, I know it's only been a, you know, a couple of months, but it may as well have been a decade ago. And maybe Paul can remember, but I know that the high school league did go in a direction that, that the, the department of health was basically like, well, good luck. You know, it, it's, it's uh, I can't remember though, which, what it was that, that uh, if it was the return of, maybe I think it was the return of football and, and volleyball. Um, I think, I think that those did not get the blessing of the department of health, but but the, the high school league uh, went forward with it because they believed that their environment was the safest. Uh, I, I hope I'm, I hope I'm remembering that right. Um, I do say I do agree with you. And the high school league does believe that that their uh, model is safe one for kids, and uh, they kind of look at anything outside of it as kind of a wild, wild west, every man for himself sort of situation. So I, I do know that the high school league does uh, go to great lengths to try to prevent or provide a safe environment for everybody to actually participate. So that's what makes me wonder if the Department of Health or the governor's office, whoever's making the calls, takes that into consideration or if it's basically just, 
a one-sided conversation when they talk to the high school official. Well, all I can say to that effect is I know Eric Martins uh, for sure has been involved in, in this all the time and how much input he gets versus how much direction he receives. I don't know what that, what that balance looks like, but you know, the, the high school league is, are the experts in that area. And I'm sure that the, the uh, governor's office, department of health, I'm sure they're at least listening to those. That's a very important constituency to listen to. Um, and we have to listen to uh, Paul Clauda, who ch- wants to chime in here with something from the Boston Globe. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for letting me chip in. You know, actually, when you, you mentioned uh, what the high school league and the health department have done, I think you're right. They, the high school league has been talking to the health department all along. And I, I know when I've listened in and talked to some of the folks at the health department about this issue, and you, I think you heard Governor Waltz say yesterday, the balance that they're trying to strike between knowing that kids, you know, need to be active and physically active, mentally active, you know, that's all good. And they're sort of weighing the, that desire with sort of the, the, the bad part about this virus, which is when people come together, that's when bad things can happen. So I, I, I suspect when football and volleyball were initially not going to be played in the fall, that was one of the, they were kind of weighing that balance. And when they made the decision to go ahead and play, then, um, um, you know, they were kind of on that continuum of where do we strike the balance and, and the high school league and the sports themselves were very committed to following the, the rules of social distancing and doing everything they could to play the game safely. And that's, that was the thing that I heard this week. I've talked this to a couple of guys from the Boston globe who, who were recounting what Massachusetts has, has, has done. And I'm curious, cause I don't think I've heard you guys talk about it here. Cause it probably hasn't come up, but uh, out there, they've actually altered how in Massachusetts, how some sports are played to uh, keep them going. And I know in the media had a piece recently about how the game of soccer, uh, you know, throw-ins and headers there were there were different different there were different rules that were being applied to limit the amount of contact in the game um even going into the corners in in hockey you know limiting the the amount of contact um all around the idea of trying to modify the game to keep it safer but i've heard nothing of that ilk here and i think massachusetts may be kind of out there on its own have you guys heard any any talk about kind of modifying how you play the game i know Post-game handshakes, of course, they're, they're gone, but uh, that's about as much as I've heard you guys talk about when it comes to the actual playing of the games. I haven't heard anything about games and the actual competition being altered. There has been an awful lot about how teams celebrate, how teams get together, you know, how substitutions and things like how many substitutions are allowed in volleyball and volleyball, how they go about them. Um, in tennis, it was all about racket taps instead of high fives and things like that but dave maybe i'm i'm but i've been just ignorant on this issue but i haven't heard anybody say that the actual games and competitions have been changed um in in uh response to covid have you not at the high school level my daughter's 14u soccer they were they were told no throw-ins um but then they got to a tournament and and you could, you could throw it in. So it was, it was, it was, it was suggested for my daughter's club and, and, and activities within the club, but it didn't sound like it was uniform, even club to club. Yeah. So that, yeah, that seems, that seems like a very unique um, way to approach it. It makes me wonder if you're undermining the integrity of the competition by changing rules uh, and in any way for what people are used to. Um, But I guess that's, 
just the nature of where we are right now. This is so new, so unique. Um, that's all I can say on that. Yeah, yeah, I think we've wrung all the water out of this particular towel. We'll we'll know more, and and you know we'll share it in whatever avenues, whether it's on our blog or whether it's here on the podcast, because the, uh, the things will move quickly. And and write them in pencil, not pen, because that's just the nature yeah. of things right now. I do know the high school league has always had a, a a bylaw that says you you can start competitions. Uh, was it ten days or ten practices? Luckily, after. The first day of practice. Yeah, there's some exception to that. I think skiing tennis, can start yeah. a little earlier. Um, so and the high school league can make can alter those uh, restrictions if they should want to. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, well, and you've seen it happen already in football this fall. You've seen it happen other times. Um, they get clearance from their medical advisory, and and all of a sudden they can do more games in a in a shorter span of time. But yeah, if Sticking to the book, if you will, uh, I guess it would be the earlier in the week of January. Okay, if we started practice on, well, we'll start practice January 4th. If they're allowed to go back to games and competitions on schedule, then you could have people skiing early in the week of January 11th. And then later that same week, um, uh, you could, you'd have your hockeys, basketballs, and so on. If, if, if that all happens. And the, the league has, as recommended, has mandated two games a week until the end of the regular season. And I think in the third, the final week of the regular season, they are allowing teams to schedule three games. But that third game shouldn't, should that third opening should, should be um, held open until they see where they are. That third game is to reschedule any games that were, that were canceled. So um, when the season starts, um, there will be just two games per week. And so that, if you're looking at 18 game season, we're talking nine weeks out. And they did talk, and everybody's talked about maintaining some sort of postseason tournament, which is positive. So I don't yeah, think. Right. Yeah. They have not given up on the winter's culminating tournament, uh, state yeah. tournament. They have not given up on that, nor have they uh, given up on starting the spring pretty close to being on time and having a, a, a full, robust spring season, which, of course, didn't happen last year. So, yeah, there's, there's, still, there's still reason for optimism. Yeah, there isn't. There is a lot of um, awareness of what was lost last year, and an absolutely to go back to that and to try to find a way to alleviate that sort of situation. Uh, I can't see that ever happening again unless the virus just explodes and we have to be put on pause again. Other than that, I can say we can count on some sort of state tournaments this year, which is a good thing because <laughs> you need to have some sort of some sort of state tournament. Or else the end of the season is really just kind of fizzles out. Because yeah, fall was going to your favorite band or artist concert and them not playing their signature song. I mean, it's like what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yep. something's missing here. <laughs> or or watching a lip sync on Saturday Night Live or something from your favorite band. That's exactly the way it seemed. So anyway, um, anything you're looking forward to in this in coming up? I mean, something in the season that the winter season that you thought was something that you wanted to see, or you were hoping to see this year that you've had to keep waiting and waiting and waiting for. Oh yeah. Um, nothing in particular. If you're talking about like a team that was supposed to be really good or, or a player or two, nothing like that comes to mind. I just, just, I'm hoping for some semblance of a state tournament, some semblance of finality uh, because that's, that was the biggest uh, biggest miss from the uh, 
fall season. And, you know, I was, I got probably as close as anybody in the sense that I covered Lakeville South against St. Michael Albertville in football. And that was a, you know, de facto six, eight championship game. And, uh, uh, and, and but game. don't tell that to Rosemont. Oh well, yeah, I know. I know, but but they, you know, I'm just talking the you know the two teams in the top five that played each other. You know, that's pretty dang good, and and it just it just. But when it was over, it just left you wanting more, and and so I I look forward to. Yeah, as do I. Um, I know that uh, one thing I was concerned about that I wanted to see was how Hopkins. The uh, girls' basketball program just keeps winning and winning and winning. Sands, Paige Beckers, and their head coach, Brian Cosgriff, who uh, I could call the hardest-working coach in the business or I could have called the most uh, worrisome coach in the business who was always fretting. And he left, um, and Hopkins has a new girls' basketball coach in Tara Starks, who's uh, had a daughter that played for Hopkins and was very well-known in basketball circles as the head coach of uh, – AAU teams, both at uh, North Tartan and at the, the Metro Stars. And she took over at Hopkins, and she hasn't had a chance to put her mark on that Hopkins team, a loaded Hopkins team, that she was absolutely the perfect choice for this uh, to take over because she had a history with a lot of these girls to begin with. Uh, but she told me that uh, she's just been kind of itching to get out there and get back at it, um, get back in the gym. She doesn't care about the games. I mean, Hopkins got a 62 game winning streak that they're still riding, um, but she doesn't care about the game. She just wants to get back in the gym, develop some skills, get some shots up as she says, and, and back to uh, dealing with kids. And I kind of was hoping to see how uh, Hopkins would uh, adapt from Brian Cosgrove's ultra prepared manner to uh, the Tara Starks. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a that's a program in that sport. That's that's a program that you're going to be very interested in what what's going to happen uh, with them. And and uh, yeah, it's it's hopefully we'll be able to get back and, and know these things for real very soon. Mm-hmm. Hockey wise, what do we what do you think? Uh, I haven't given it much thought at all. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to think like where did we leave off? Like like who won last year? Oh, Matamid, I won in. in uh, in single A and in, in double A, it was uh, uh, who, who beat? Oh, Hill Murray. Hill Murray beat Eden Prairie. Um, you know, I, I can't think of. Of course, I'll probably sound like an idiot because I'm forgetting something obvious. But I, I can't think of any major shifts that have you salivating. You know, whereas whereas going into last year, Eden Prairie had three pretty talented imports. Well, two were imports. One was a, a return uh, to the to the area, but. Um, I feel like, you know, there isn't a, there isn't a situation like that lining up where a team has gotten this injection of talent or or there's a win streak on the line or, or some, there was a a pretty significant coaching change. I can't think of something in hockey with the possible exception of, of Maple Grove um, girls. I I was looking for uh, coach Amber Heglin yesterday uh, to talk to, to get coach reaction from Governor Walls, uh, the press conference and the decision about winter sports. And and uh, and she actually has re- uh, stepped down from coaching. She is an administrator now in the Osseo School District. She's, a, I believe, an assistant principal. And you cannot be an administrator and a coach uh, in that particular district. And other districts are like that as well. And so she's out at Maple Grove, and then that's that's significant. That's fairly significant. Maple Grove didn't win a championship, but they were they were a shot away from winning a championship game a couple of years ago. And uh, 
she she has them right there in the mix all the time. So that that's probably the biggest uh, change in coaching that I can think of on the spot in terms of hockey. You know, and, and the thing is, just you talking about that and me mentioning Tara Starks taking over at uh, Hopkins Girls Basketball Program didn't even I didn't even mention um, what we're going to see out of this nation's number one college basketball recruit in Chet Holmgren in Minnehaha. Oh, but, the, yeah. but the fact that we get to talk sports, that's what's been missing to this podcast for so long. It's <laughs> all administrative. It's all been COVID-related. It's just fun to actually you know, talk what's happening on the court, on the ice, you know, on the wrestling mat. Yeah. That's what I miss the most, the actual games and the competition. Even I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready I'm to break ready the cycle. I'm ready to break the cycle of Zoom meetings, plans, decisions, lawsuits. Zoom meetings, plans. To, I'm ready to be done with that cycle. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's why we, we 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 started working this job because the enjoyment of covering the games. And uh, I guess you got to take the good with the bad. But we've had a bad for a long time. It's time to get back to uh, the competitions. I'm all for it. You know, guys, we had we had a couple pictures that ran with the story you wrote uh, about the, the Waltz news about the, the opening up practice on January 4th that appeared in the paper today in the Star Tribune. And I just wanted to call attention to them because they kind of speak to what you were just saying about getting back to playing. Uh, a photograph from the Farmington, um, who did they play in the semis last year? Help me out here. Uh, Farmington's girls back. Farmington girls? Yeah, which played in one of the last games that w- was held before the pandemic shut that tournament down. In fact, Jim, yesterday you talked to Liz Carpentier, uh, who coached that team. That just mm-hmm. that picture, fans at the state tournament, it felt like, yes, we're almost to this point. And, and then there was another photo, which was kind of uh, prophetic in a way from the boys hockey tournament, which was the last tournament to finish before this thing hit. And it had a fan from Eden Prairie who was pulling him had a mask over his face kind of standing out in the crowd there at, at the X and it just sort of mm. think that's when it's kind of started but it's time to get back and play those games and play get in hopefully get to those tournaments again and uh, kind of get back to that sense of let's just play sports yeah absolutely the team that uh, Farmington beat in semifinals was the St. Michael Alberville by the way ah, that's right. Um, that's right. and they were they were right on the precipice of trying to be the team that would challenge Hopkins uh, for another state championship, and that's what it was called off. And uh, and that, that that's and, and Liz Carpenter said yesterday that it's the seniors that have taken the brunt of a lot of this, uh, the the changes, the the, the cancellations, um, the uh, redefining of the seasons, and uh, they've still got some seniors on that Farmington team that would love one more chance at Hopkins. So I agree with it. It'll it'll be good to see some conversa- competition again. If, if we don't have anything else to talk about, David, let's wrap it up. Perfect. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here with me. Thanks for giving me all your insight. Paul, appreciate uh, your contributions. Thanks for uh, listening, and uh, we'll talk to you. It might be a week or so. I don't know if we'll be doing anything next week for the uh, uh, Preps podcast, but I say we'll be back right after Christmas. So thanks for helping us. <laughs>